Welcome. I am marketing expert and business coach, Melissa Kellogg-Lewick, and this is the Doing Business Like a Woman podcast, where we are exploring and teaching you how women are reinventing the way business is done and money is made to help you create greater impact and financial freedom, one business at a time. Well, hey there, ladies. I hope you're having a fabulous day and I have a very special guest with me here today, and so thank you for joining us. Um, I want to introduce you to Nancy Geary, and she is a corporate trainer or former corporate trainer, now an author. She's going to tell us about all the things, but uh, Nancy um, had a lifetime in the corporate training world, and she's now a custom training consultant. And she knows how businesses operate and isn't afraid to shake things up. Um, Her unique perspective, combined with her 25 plus years of experience, has empowered her with fresh insight and the industry's best kept secrets that she's ready to share with us. So I'm so excited to welcome Nancy to the program. And um, she's on a lifelong campaign against boring training. I love that. I would. Um, <laughs> she uses the power of storytelling and like lighthearted humor, which I have some questions about how to be funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if somebody asks you to be funny, then automatically you can't. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so I definitely want to hear all about that. She is a, a masterful at intertwining comedic humor with life lessons and um, her stories make learning stick. So I can't wait to talk to her all about training, teaching, which so many of us are involved in, and then also course crea- course creation mm-hmm. and just kind of where that whole world is going. I think uh, a lot of us fantasize about having a successful course. And um, so I can't wait to hear all about that. She's worked, Nancy's worked with some of the biggest names in corporate America including Johnson Controls, Harley Davidson, and Northwestern Mutual. So I'm so glad to have you here, Nancy. Thank you for being here. Is there anything that I missed in the intro that you want to add? Oh, I think that that covers it. I've, I've been I've been at this uh, probably since since Al Gore invented the internet. I've been in the online world, so <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome. I've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, and tell us a little bit. You have a book that just came out. Yes, I do. So my book is called find the copy here. It's called Bundle Your Brilliance, Turn Your Expertise into Profitable Online Courses. And I wrote this book specifically for authors, speakers, coaches, entrepreneurs to sort of distill what I've learned in now, you know, 25, 30 years of doing this into a really practical, you know, this is how we do it kind of, of, you know, end to end idea to implementation. So it's a step-by-step, step-by-step process. I love that. That's so cool. So if we just were talking a little bit before we started recording about course creation and how, you know, everyone that has something they think they want to teach is now, you know, setting up their video camera and their well, video camera, their cell phone or their webcam and their ring light and creating courses. But can you share with us from your perspective and you, all of your experience, like what really makes a successful course and how do we know if we are like a good material for creating a course? Yeah. Well, the the first step in really looking at creating a, um, a course that's going to be successful is to really dial into your target audience. 
Mm. Who are they? What do they need? What's important to them? And what problem do you solve? Mm-hmm. And what is your unique spin, right? So what makes you different? How is your approach, your methodology going to um, really, really help them? And I think that that's the place to start. Mm-hmm. And one of the cues that people can work from is, do your clients ask you the same types of questions over and over and over again? <laughs> because if that, you know, that then is an indicator that, that content could be pulled and put into an online course, and then you can integrate that into your business model. So mm-hmm. if you're a coach or a consultant, and every time you get started on a project, there's certain intake that you do, there's certain key principles that you lay out for your clients, well, you could have them do that in an online format. And then when you start working with them, whether it's one-on-one or in a group, you can go to a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is that basically how we know if we're, I don't know, I'm using my air quotes different enough, you know, because I think a lot of times we think, oh, well, what I know, everybody knows. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if our clients are asking us the same questions over and over, right. And then we're creating trainings around that, then that is different enough to create a course around. Um, I think that's, that's one um, aspect of it. Certainly is mm-hmm. you really looking at, I mean, that to me, that's looking at what is your current business model and how can you integrate that a course into your business model mm-hmm. in such a way that you either um, can serve more people or have more time off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I think that when you're working in the entrepreneurial space, you know, it, it all comes down to best use of time. And I think, you know, there's the, yeah, one of the things that we all really love, why we're in business for ourselves is because we want to have more freedom and more flexibility. Well, I believe that integrating courses into your work is a way to help you move toward that. And that's mm-hmm. where I was looking at that sort of what's repetitive. If you mm-hmm. pull that out, let's say you spend maybe 10 hours a week doing the same kind of um, work, the same type of conversations. Well, if you can pull that out, that's 10 hours that you could do, you could do something else with however you choose. I think, you know, that there's this idea of, I want to generate all of this passive income, Mm -hmm. but I think the larger play is to look at how does it fit into your services? How does it help you to serve your clients better? Mm -hmm. And how does it give, and how can you become um, more efficient that's to me, that's, that's a, an, an easier, and that's an easier play, frankly, for most people, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to, do you want to bring in, sometimes you could bring in two or three high-end clients and make more doing that than putting your online course out into the world, depending on how it's priced. So it's really, I think we want to just be more thoughtful about how does all of this fit together? Yeah. You know, the, I think there was when the pandemic hit, certainly people panicked, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to, how am I going to survive? So there was a lot of content, Frank, I think was just dumped on the market yeah. and people weren't as discerning because, well, what the hell else am I going to do? Because I can't leave the house. So I might as well, might as well take an online course, but those courses are really recordings in disguise. Yeah. 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 So talk more about that. Like, how do you, um, 
what's the difference between a recording in disguise and <laughs> a real training, like a valuable okay. training or a, yeah. a valuable course? Like what makes a valuable course? Well, I think what makes a valuable course is if there's a clear outcome, mm. if I know by the end of this course, I'm going to be able to fill in the blank. And that's really where kind of people need to be focused on what is somebody going to be able to do when they're done that they couldn't do before? Mm -hmm. and what's what's going to be the difference between where they are now, where you're going to take them and how you're going to close that gap. And people need to feel, people need to be engaged. Mm -hmm. So what makes, I think the, one of the key differences is that you provide some level of interaction into your program. When you think about it, we've been watching video in some form or fashion on screens our whole lives. Yeah. There's very few people left that are like, you know, back in the radio days. <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> yeah. We were when it was listen only mode. And when you watch something, whether it's a television show, a movie, a news show, the scenes are always changing. Mm -hmm. And what when people then go to make courses, they don't translate that degree of change into their video. It's usually a lot a long talking head. Um, there's people do their Zoom recordings and you get the little box up in the corner. And it really, um, it's kind of flat and it's kind of boring because my my belief is that our brains are kind of waiting for something to happen and nothing happens. Mm. So what you want to think about is how can you quickly move between um, between shots so you can plan for having a, um, you know, I'm on camera. And then there's a slide presentation. If people haven't done so already, I've invested in a stream deck and the stream deck allows me by just pushing one button, I can move from a scene to scene to scene. And hmm. it makes a huge difference. So right now, my, the, the scene that I have, there's a graphic overlay of my logo. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine what you could do. You could have a graphic overlay. It could be, um, it's referred to as a lower third where something comes up and the bottom of the screen, or mm -hmm. you could be on one side and you could have your key points coming up on the other side. Anything that you can do where there's movement, that creates interaction. And there's different tools that you can use. Certainly you can do it in post-production or you can do it um, in the advance when you're, when you're actually doing the filming. That's huge because it's kind of what people are into, you know, our, our minds just are, are looking for what, what's going to happen next, you know, to hold, hold my attention. Yeah. The other part of interactivity that's even more important is you want to get people doing something as quickly as possible. Mm. What type of um, an exercise can I do? Whether it's some form of maybe it's personal reflection, maybe it's, there's a particular task. Um, you might have, you know, somebody that I work with, her um, Lois Kramer book more business. She helps speakers. So one of her main things that she works with people on is creating their positioning statement. So in her course, we're going to get to actually creating that positioning statement early. So people actually, they're going, they're doing something, they're thinking about it and having, you know, it, it just, that's just so important. People think mm -hmm. if I just watch, just watching, I'm not going to, I'm not going to learn that much. Yeah. It's like sitting, it's like sitting in a lecture hall in a college. Yeah. Unless you're engaged 
and taking notes, or you have some sort of an assignment, or you know there's going to be a test, right? There has to be some way that I'm going to engage with the content so that it it will stick. Okay. Okay. That's so good to know. So then what are different ways that people can engage with the content? I mean, they can take notes. They can be like filling out a worksheet. They can have a particular um, task to use. Maybe you give them some kind of a checklist that they're going to apply to a project. So it's really Mm -hmm. thinking, so it's giving them an activity to do. Now there's other tools that are used in the, um, in the corporate sector that I've been looking at, well, how do we bring these tools down to make it easier for everybody? And they're called authoring tools. And that's where you can actually um, engage on the screen. Mm. So something you're, you're going through, you're, 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 instead of reading something, one of the um, components is called an accordion. So you have a list of items come up and they're in nice graphic and you click on one of them and it expands and you read about that one. Mm-hmm. Then it closes, you click on the next one. Just the fact that I'm doing something on the screen engages me. Mm-hmm. I'm not just reading text on a screen, but I have to do something to make it happen. Or you could have um, a diagram. Let's say you have a, a process model. I have like a six stage process. People can click on each stage of the process and get an overview of what's happening there. Okay. So those kinds of tools you don't need to, then you don't need to have as much video because you've got other ways to have people engage. Certainly giving people a quiz or just posing a question, that's also a great way to have people engage. But you want to make sure that anytime, you, anytime you're posing question or anything that looks like a quiz, that it's really a quiz and it's not just kind of for the sake of, or you know, asking me you know, a silly question that really doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's so interesting. I love that having that more engagement, um, in the actual, during the learning sessions, Mm -hmm. but I would love to also hear your thoughts on how we can improve outcomes for students, like improving the, um, results that our clients get, because like you said before, you know, the most important thing is having a clear outcome. Yes when we have a course built around a clear outcome, how can we really help increase the percentage of our clients that are finishing the course and getting the, that outcome? I think w- one of the biggest challenges when people are taking um, an online course and they're doing it independently is the type of feedback mm. that they get along the way. You know, the feed, the if you have somebody do a particular activity, you can show them examples. So let's say I'm going, you know, I'm going to write again, back to the positioning statement idea. Yeah. So I've written it. I can look at other people's examples and I can compare mine to those examples and go, I think I've got it. But what's even better is if you can build something in and maybe you call it office hours or once, you know, or there's a particular time that you're going to be there to answer questions, mm-hmm. or you set it up and say things you can submit your responses to me, and I'll generate and I'll review them and give you feedback. And then they're really getting more personalized attention. Because mm-hmm. when I'm doing something online or you're doing something online, if we go along, we get stalled. What do we do? We just quit. 
We just quit. Yeah. And maybe, you know, and people have said, well, I'll just put in, I'll put in a chat bot. Well, like those are like that. Those are like the most annoying. <laughs> they hard because they hardly ever answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, you know, you put, I'd like to know how to apply different colors to my project. And then I'll come. There are many different colors that you, yes, I know there are many different <laughs> colors. <laughs> yes, I get so, it. So, you know, I, I kind of, when I, when I look at where we are, I think, everybody's longing for community. Mm. They're longing to be part of a group and uh, mm-hmm. have somebody, you know, give them more guidance. You know, like you, you can read a book and you can do exercises in a book. If you think about it, a lot of what's out there in the online course world, it's just like the book, but it's being delivered to me in a, in a different format. I'm engaging yeah. in a different way, but it's, I, there's still that, where can I get the, the feedback? which is why I look at this as how does it fit into your business model? Have Mm -hmm. people, you know, maybe it's a place for people to start and they go, this is harder than I thought. I think I need some help. Then, so then you can, you can sort of look at how to, how to level them up, bring them in. Um, You're building influence along the way. And because Mm -hmm. a lot of this is about building influence, it's really important that you show up in the best way possible because our courses have become part of our personal brand. Mm. Yeah. So if your course is kind of flat and boring, well, did you really help yourself? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great thing to think about. Great point. So having some feedback, office hours, personalized attention, community are some ways to kind of up level. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you're seeing out in the course creation world that are just really disrupting the way things have been? Maybe really up leveling where course creation is going. Um, I would love to hear what you're seeing out in the industry that is really exciting for you. I think what's really exciting and that I'm starting to put in play for the, the clients that I'm working with is let's, let's take and use the um, they're called authoring tools to build our content. And so we're creating we're starting out with an interactive platform that gives mm-hmm. me more options than a video, a quiz, and a worksheet. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, that can be a real game changer for people. And it can help on a couple of levels. One, for their client base, their courses can be more interesting and engaging. Mm-hmm. Secondarily, if they're selling into the corporate market, what they create then will be more on par with the types of courses that the corporations are building. And they can also set them up where you can, you know, white label them so they can sit on a company's learning management system. Mm-hmm. So I think it really opens the door to um, expand, expand your work. Um, the challenge is, is to find the right um, platform that the course can reside on for the entrepreneurial market. And I'm working through right now, okay, how can we do this and how can we make it a real frictionless experience. Yeah. Because some of the main players out there don't don't, don't want to use this particular file format. They want you to stay inside of their platform and use their tools, mm-hmm. which are not as robust. So I think when these two things come together mm-hmm. and we can truly have a real seamless way for any course creator to create things that are more interactive and engaging that's going to be a big game changer. 
And there's two, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of premature in talking about this because I'm looking at exactly how to make all of this work. I've got some yeah. technical people in the background here trying to go, okay, how do we do this and how do we make it frictionless? Because this is where the market needs to go. We discovered one easy thing is a lot of people, you can build it into a WordPress site, which uh-huh. is great. But then you want to, but then you want to look at, well, how is this going to connect with all my email marketing and that everything can be again, seamless, frictionless. So we're working through all of that right now. Yeah. And I've got some ideas, but it's still a little early to give the whole story. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So we're close. That's awesome. So what I hear you saying kind of at the base of all this is that, that online courses will be moving more towards a collaborative, kind of a collaborative, a dynamically collaborative environment, Mm -hmm. right? Where the teacher has a body of work that they can teach, but yet they're collaborating with the students on helping the students get the result they want. Yes. Throughout the, yeah. You know, there's feedback and there's accountability. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the big challenges with anybody that's doing an online course is we don't always finish them because we get distracted by something else comes up that's more important. And then we just don't get back to it. Yeah. So it's really, it becomes like how critical is me learning that content to ad- advancing myself, whether it's personally or professionally mm-hmm. and what else is competing for my time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like now it's in some ways it's harder to do business today because there's just so much that we have to be able to do and keep up with. And, you know, oh, am I, am I, is my presence on social media enough? Am I, am I active enough about there? And, you know, and taking in clients and uh, just, and now I've got to write a book and now I've got to do, you know, what it, you know, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot competing for people's time. Yeah. So then what it comes to is if I'm going to take an online course and it's a slow start and you don't get to the point quickly of what I need to know, I'm out. Hmm. Hmm. Don't waste my time. Yeah. <laughs> I can't be the only one that feels like this. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Right. I mean, our attention spans are shorter now than they've ever been, and mm-hmm. we have so many inputs that are, like you said, competing for our attention. Um. So, as a someone that is creating the content, putting it out there, like. How can we as individuals be engaging? I mean, you talk about humor is one of the ways of doing that. (laughs) Right? So tell me more about that. So humor is great. And, you know, if people are laughing, they're they're more open to, you know, whatever's going to come their way. But and people go, well, you know, how, how do I be funny? And that's, that's kind of a, that's a hard (laughs) one to get to. (laughs) So what I think is, Maybe you want to look at it. How can you be compelling? And maybe Mm. humor will be part of that. And and maybe it won't. You know, what do you have a really good story to tell? Yeah. You know, oftentimes we just, you know, we just spew out all kinds of facts. And okay, great. But if you tell people a story, the story anchors the point and it triggers for people to remember. Mm -hmm. And this is true whether you're doing something online or in person. Yeah. You know, a great, a great speaker has, a, has great stories mm-hmm. and we're always in the, you remember the story first and then the key uh, idea or whatever action you're going to take follows. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that. Like how do you have a framework for putting together great stories or like, how do you create great stories or well, choose great stories? <laughs> I was just talking with somebody last night about, you know, she wants to come up with a great story to open her speech and to have it kind of connect to the way the world is changing now. What is, what is work like now? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we were talking about, you know, it talks about the new normal, well, whatever that is. And I think it's people, I think the new normal has replaced the expression, the good old days, like people, <laughs> people, right. People want to go back in time to, yeah. you know, when the, when way it was. Were, the way it was, things were simpler and things were easier. So she started kind of working through this story about um, her grandmother and how she was, um, there was, she always had a lot of toilet paper in her house. And so we went through like, okay, how can you, how can you make that funny? How can you exaggerate it? Mm-hmm. So we ran through like, come up with what are all the different types of toilet paper that's out there? What are, what would be some funny things that could happen? What would be her requirements for usage and how can you amp it up? You know, people are, are, are there's an expression. You don't want to let the truth get in the way of a good story. So you mm-hmm. can start with a baseline story and expand it from there. I have a great story that I tell about my grandmother and my aunt killing a snake with a garden hoe and a golf club. Now I've totally embellished this thing over time. I've been, my family's from Sicily. So I I bring in, you know, the, the Sicilian accents. I talk about how they look at the snake and they said he died of natural causes, hit himself with a (laughs) golf club 27 times. You know, I mean, we just, you know, you just kind of start with something and then you mm-hmm. look at, well, what can I do to embellish it? And, but still have it, have, um, it, some of it make the, make the point. So when, when I tell that story to me, that, that the story is the point that I'm trying to make at the end of it is two women that are stepping into their own power that are claiming they're, they're, they're like, this is not going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, their background was such they came into the U S through new Orleans so snakes were a serious deal in New Orleans, more so than in Wisconsin, <laughs> where this where this happened. So I kind of tell the whole story. I talk about you know, and I describe the I describe the women. Um, I think about the details, like that they um, I didn't expect to go here, but like they were um, they were garter belts before they were more than a necessity when they were just when they were a necessity. I talk about. Um, them, you know, sitting their stockings or roll down their legs to their ankles. And they're, you know, it's a hot day, they're sweating. You can see the the, the perspiration across their Italian mustache. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just kind of kind of go in and I but I I capture all these little details to make the mm. story more um interesting mm-hmm. and to make it and to add in some some funny lines. So if you think about it, you don't want to necessarily think from just like you're going to tell a lot of jokes because people can be uncomfortable with that. But yeah. you think about it, what can I do in a story and where can I embellish in the story and make it uh, add some silliness or some or some fun to it? Yeah, I love that. So good. And that's and that get that holds somebody's attention. And even if you can have great visuals along with your story that can hold their attention too, or you keep it as, as tight and concise as you want. I think one, I think there's a good reason why when people are in Toastmasters, most of the speeches are five to seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, now we even want to take it down even, even tighter than that. So if you have a good tight story mm-hmm. and then you follow it with 
you know, I mean, like in that, this, you know, this may seem like two crazy fat Italian women <laughs> just snapped one summer afternoon, but really what was going on for them in their, their culture, their heritage that brought them to that place. Mm-hmm. And they were really wanting to protect their family. Yeah. So that's sort of how it all, you know, can come together. And it's fun for the audience too, because they may have, they may be able to picture their own grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> or they may be afraid of snakes too, or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, there's just ways of, um, then the other side of it is, uh, there's other types of stories, you know, I, that they need to have sort of an arc to it. I, I tell the story of when I was sitting in an Al-Anon meeting and I, and the revelation came to me that, um, things in my family situation were not going to improve. And so I decided to, you know, claim my independence turned out to be the 4th of July, kind of a random thing that that happened together, <laughs> but that's a very, you know, it's a poignant story. And when I talk mm-hmm. about that story, I, you know, I take people on a journey and they go down with me, but then I have to do something, you know, to, to bring them up. And I'll say, yeah. well, I was married to an alcoholic gun collector. What could possibly go wrong? And then, you know, that kind of, <laughs> It kind of, you know, it, it, it lightens the mood yeah. um, when they need it. Nice. That's so fun. And so um, speaking of stories, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story of becoming an entrepreneur and going <laughs> from, you know, working as a corporate trainer and that okay. amazing environment and breaking out on your own. So if we go back uh, to really early in my career, um, I was at somebody asked me to do create a course and deliver it. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what to do. But I said, sure, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I put it, I had no idea. I put it together. I delivered it. I think it, I think it went okay. I did have a lot of people that wanted to do, uh, were calling me for help and support afterwards. So I questioned how successful it was because of the number of calls that I got. Yeah. And then I just kind of were like, okay, now I'm a trainer. I just sort of deemed myself to be one. I had took another position and then moved to another place and kind of start over and went to work for a company that made courses that were um, mostly in the the software training um, industry, a lot of programming courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened there is I was part of a team and I had a quality assurance manager and a direct manager. So I'm learning about how to create courses Mm-hmm. And I had both of these people evaluate everything that I did and tell me, here's what, here's what you need to do to make it better. They also brought in uh, graduate studies that we could do in our lunch hour. So hmm. I was working in my advanced degree. So it was like this perfect storm mm-hmm. of all of this coming together. And I learned about this methodology called instructional design, which then sort of positioned me very well. And then I moved up through the ranks, you know, project manager, direct manager, director, held all these different jobs. And then at one point, a company that I worked for, fast forward, didn't have any sales for two quarters, laid off 25% of the workforce. And I was part of that 25%. (laughs) And I thought, well, you know, I've always wanted to start my own thing. This is the best time for me to do it because there's no longer any downside risk. I didn't have to think about walking away from a big paycheck because I was collecting unemployment. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I, yeah. things could only go up from there. So then I went off and then I started my own um, business 
And that was in 1998, did that successfully. Um, and then moved here and I'm here being uh, to California to be near my daughter mm-hmm. in 2016. And I just didn't have it in me to do my own business because new place, business development. I was like, I just, I just can't. Um, so I took a, a job as a training director for a tech company, which is very interesting to kind of learn about how that whole business works mm-hmm. and did that. And then fast forward, and then they decided to um, make some changes and move the office, uh, a lot of the office work from San Francisco to Denver. So I had the choice of taking a package or going to Denver. And since I was here to be near my daughter, I said, okay, I'm going to take the package yeah. and I'm going to go back and do my own thing again. Mm-hmm. And so kind of, and I was ready at that point to be back on my own. You know, I, I had healed enough and I started to build a network and it, it, it was just time for me to do yeah. it anyway. So that, so it's all been good. And it's been an interesting um, ride the last few years, just because of what's happened in the on, in the course creation space and yeah. you know, every, everybody with a computer and a microphone is a course creator now, mm-hmm. but it, what's um, interest and it's great that more people want to do that yet. What's missing is solid design principles to mm-hmm. really ensure that what you're delivering is going to be a learning experience. It's going to stick and, you know, not only people are going to want to buy it, but they're going to finish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of the, um, yeah, people just recording what they think is a course and then customers buying it and not getting the results. And like you said before, that just doesn't doesn't help anybody. Um, and, you know, I think it, I feel like over the past couple of years, this myth of like creating a course so that you have passive income, that that's been perpetuated a lot yes a lot of yes a lot of businesses in order to make money or whatever but what are your thoughts about the you know it's possible Mm -hmm. here's the challenge you know it's like any sales type of a situation it's a numbers game Mm -hmm. how many people do you need to have on your list to reach out to so that you can get to the number that you want if you have a list of a thousand people, you, they're not all going to buy. <laughs> like, you know, if a hundred of them buy, you know, and it's in the courses, I, I can't do math now. I'm having a hard time. But if you have a hundred people that purchase the course, that's not going to sustain you. That's not going to be your passive income. That's going to take care of you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. If you have a list of a hundred thousand people, well, there you go. You know, you can you, you can work it. So you really need to have a large pool of people to draw from. Mm -hmm. I saw something the other day that someone had posted and she'd said uh, she had paid for $8,000 in Facebook ads and no one had signed up for her course yet. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Okay. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. Um, I know I, I was part of that. I didn't pay $8,000, but I know I've spent on the first, first course I created I did not have a big list and um, I thought, well, if I'm going to, I'm going to create this beautiful course and then people are just going to want it. Right. <laughs> it was that naivete. It worked for the iPhone. <laughs> right. It worked for he the said, iPhone. Here's this thing. Yeah. Don't, you don't know you want it yet, but you will. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, that's what my, the experts that I had bought into told me, you just create this beautiful course, you know, and people will want it. Well, 
no one's going to know how beautiful it is if I don't know how to market it, right? Exactly. If I don't don't have people to market it to. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the work that I do. And I work with a lot of course creators. And, you know, I think that the biggest myth is, you know, with this passive income situation is that, yeah, it might be passive. Like you said, when you have a hundred thousand people on your email list that you can sell to, but when you have a hundred people, there's, you know, it's a lot of massive action. There's no mm-hmm. passive income at that yeah. point. It's massive action to get to that point, a lot of building and there is a runway just like any business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it just, it's, you just have to kind of keep, you have to keep working. You have to keep building the list. You have to have, the list has to keep growing you mm-hmm. know, more new people. And there's a lot around building influence. Yeah. Which is why I think it makes sense to look at what do I do to integrate this into my business and just improve on what I'm doing now for the people that I'm working with and then be ready to spin it off into other, um, other approaches. You know, there's that, Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes somebody will do, they'll offer, you know, a free of a free, um, webinar zoom meeting. And then at the end of that, then, then an offer is made. Mm -hmm. Well, if people haven't experienced you before, they may not be ready to go to the big offer. So you need to have something that's at, at a lower end, kind of get them in, get them in the fold and move them forward. So that's another way where the where the course can fit in. But I, I just wonder why are people, and I, I don't have the answer to this, but people have been chasing high, low ticket, high volume, but yet, but there's a disconnect because they don't have the base to make that work. They don't have the volume of people yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's bringing in the people and then it's really serving them well with lots of value to grow Mm -hmm. that relationship. So they actually want to spend the money with you. Right. And tell their friends and, (laughs) you know, just keep keep working to build it out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you have to have a great marketing, but you have to have a great course, which Mm -hmm. is what you do um, to be offering that value and helping them get those results and outcome that they want to have. So tell me, tell us a little bit about how to stay in touch with you, how to, how you, how to work with you, how you serve your clients now. Okay. Well, I work with people in two ways. I have a done for you service where I'll go in, I'll take all of their content. For example, I'm looking at somebody who wrote a book right now. I'm going to take her book, turn it into um, a course for her. The Mm. place, the part that she'll play will be, she'll be doing the, um, some video recordings to be used um, strategically throughout the -hmm. program. So I'm, I'm really doing the heavy lifting. Another way I work with people is I do um, a done with you service and that's where I coach them through the process. So they're going to build out their program, but I'm going to guide them through from idea to implementation uh, in order to be able to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And I'll run things either one-on-one or in a group. And then I offer um, some fast track workshops at different points throughout the year. The, the next one will start on February 7th. I don't know if the timing will work for what we're talking about today, but that uh, that program is is coming up. Nice. And if people want to reach me, um, the easiest way is go to my website, which is nancygeary.com. So if you're not watching it, but you're listening, um, Geary is spelled G-I-E-R-E, or you can um, email me and then it's nancy at nancygiere.com. And then of course, 
um, just finished get this book was just, just released at the end of January. Yeah. And you can find this on Amazon. All you have to do is search for, uh, look at this right on here, search for bundle your brilliance. And if you search all departments, it will be between the toothpaste combo pack and the Q-tip combo pack. (laughs) (laughs) With five stars. With five stars. Yes. Yes. I have um, eight five-star ratings now. So I'm very pleased about that. That's so exciting. I bet you learned a lot from that process, right? That was quite a process. And it was interesting for me to write about my own process, my own way of doing things, because I had to have people kind of looking at what I was doing and comment on it and say, I think this part's a little long. I think this part could be trimmed. Um, You left me with an open question here. And so it was was interesting to kind of be on the other side (laughs) To be the, the client, experience. yeah. To be the client, yeah. Just the client, <laughs> and, 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 and um, right now we're working on creating an online course version of that. And mm. the main way, you know, that I plan to use it, just as I was saying, is when I'm going to start doing uh, with the different workshops that I run. That will be people will go through. They'll be working on what's in the course, and then we'll have um, either an individual or a group coaching session where I'll give them feedback on what they did, what they need to change to improve it so they can move forward. So that's that's my strategic plan in right. terms of how I want to make this work. And when my list gets to 100,000, well, yes, <laughs> then it'll be. I'll find you on a beach somewhere. <laughs> exactly. And I just, you know, I hear the cash register ring and I can order another drink. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. This has been a great conversation and so Oh, thank you. And yeah, everyone go out and grab her book and get started working on your brilliant course when, uh, when you're ready. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. If you like this podcast, then you have got to sign up for my free on-demand video training, Grow Your Sales, Doing What You Love, where I teach you in-depth my simple process that you can implement right away to harness your mindset and your skills to grow your sales to whatever level you want. So go grab that now. The link is in the show notes and I'll see you next time.